Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode is sponsored by Lazy Boy Home Furnishings in Amarillo. You probably know Lazy Boy as a national brand, but some of its stores are independently owned and operated, and the one in Amarillo is owned by the Hawkins family, who live right here in town. Lazy Boy is open for business now, and almost everything they sell is American-made, and it's a lot more than just recliners. Visit Amarillo's locally-owned Lazy Boy Home Furnishings today at 3636 Sansi. Today's guest is Devaney Graham. Devaney grew up in Amarillo, then left after high school to pursue a career as an actor and model. She's now returned to the Panhandle after stints in New York City and Los Angeles, where she ended up working as an executive production manager for a TV and film production company. Today, she's the artistic director for the brand new Sharpened Iron Studios, which is working to put Amarillo on the map in the filmmaking community. Sharpened Iron is helping Amarillo College put together a film and production curriculum, and it intends to eventually hire hundreds of employees in this area to create Hollywood-level TV series, feature-length films, and documentaries. It's a big, bold, exciting plan. And even better, Sharpened Iron has secured the funding to make it happen. So here's Devaney Graham. Devaney Graham, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Well, I'm excited to have you today. We are on my back porch, uh, like I've been recording the last few episodes. There is a barking dog in the background who (laughs) apparently wants to participate in this podcast. So I have no control over that dog. So uh, (laughs) my apologies for that if it breaks in here. Uh, But I appreciate you being here, and I want to start with this episode like I've started with every guest and just ask how you ended up here in the Amarillo area. So what brought you to Amarillo? Well, I was born and raised in Amarillo, and when I was, I want to say 17, the year, the summer that I turned 17, I actually got a scholarship that sent me to New York. And then from New York, I moved to L.A., L.A., Aspen. And then four years ago, we finally moved back, my husband and I, um, because we own a family business here. And, um, yeah, it's been amazing coming back as an adult and seeing seeing our community here in Amarillo and what we have to offer now. So I'm back, and I'm back for good. Okay, so I, I want to talk about some of those things because you have lived in, in some different places. Um, but before that... Did you, where did you go to high school here in Amarillo? I went to Amarillo High. Okay. I am a Sandy and my husband is a rebel. So we had some fun and we still do, you know, talking about the games that they used to play. I'm not sure if they still play anymore. They do. Yeah. They they find a way to play each other, even though they've been several years of not being in the same district, but yes, yes. So we have, we have some fun with that, but I went to Amarillo high. Um, I'm kind of grandfathered in my grandfather went to Amarillo high, the original one downtown before, before the fire and was there during all of that. So it's kind of a, a family thing going to that school. So did you, when, when you were in high school, were you involved in the arts and, and all of those things? Yes. Um, I, started acting ironically I first started modeling because I was 13 years old and I was six foot tall Mm -hmm. and you can imagine how painful those years of growing were (laughs) I yes (laughs) so um, I started off modeling because I was painfully shy um, which you know is not the case anymore but um, I had a mentor that I studied under named Joe Barone who came in from New York and he said hey have you ever tried acting I see something in you 
And I was sitting there saying, you see something in me? Uh, you know, I don't talk to people. I don't like the camera. <laughs> you know, I like modeling because I don't have to talk and I can just walk <laughs> or take some pictures. And he was like, I want to, I want you to come in and, and try acting for me. And I did one scene with him on camera and I fell in love with it. Hmm, okay. And I am so grateful for it. So from the age of 13 on, I just started acting and I involved myself in the arts in every way that I could. I did a little bit of Amarillo, a little theater, my senior year of high school. Didn't know too, too much about, about theater. Um, and I also did a little bit of theater at Amarillo High. We did Phantom of the Opera, okay. um, which is where I met my husband, which is funny. Um, so he came and saw, saw us do that. And then, yeah, I went to New York right after that. So tell me about that process. I mean, there's, there's a lot of burgeoning actors or models who say, I, I just want to go to New York. And, and mm-hmm. it's, it's a dream for so many, but it's really, really competitive. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. And just the process of moving to a big city like New York from Amarillo is a hard change to adjust to. So tell me a little bit about what that was like for you. Very. It's, it's a very hard change. I moved to really get an education in the film industry as well as the theatrics behind it. We have so much that we can do here and I wanted to make sure that I expanded on um, my education and really became an actor's actor, if that makes sense. You know, I wanted to study the five major techniques Mm -hmm. and um, really get involved and see, you know, when you get into an audition, a lot of people say you want a LA actor or a New York actor. And I didn't understand what that meant. I didn't understand what the education behind that really meant. And honestly, it all came down to experience because the actors there get to audition consistently and daily. And that's just unfortunately something that I didn't really get to do yet here in Amarillo. Okay. Um, and so I guess when I, I left for, for New York, I really wanted to make sure that I could bring something back. And I guess that's why Sharpened Iron Studios has been kind of a, ble- a blessing is because we are now getting the experience and people are here, if that were to answer your question. What- did, did you go to uh, school in New York? Was it like a, yes. a formal actor's training kind of thing? I mean, yes. what, what did you do? I went to the New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts. Okay. I studied under um, Sanford Meisner. I did the Meisner Technique. Um, we did Uta Hagen. Um, we kind of touched basis on every single kind of technique. And I think I really wanted to make sure when I went to school that I was really strong in those techniques. I mean, tell me, tell me about some of the culture shock, maybe going into that setting, um, being around so many creative people, um, having come from a place like Amarillo, Mm -hmm. you know, that does it very definitely has its creative culture, but it's not New York city. So, so tell me about some of the things that maybe you learned or you had to deal with. Um, I think what kind of set it apart was getting to work with actors with all sorts of backgrounds. Um, everyone has a different technique and I found that fascinating. So when I would go on set with people um, or I was doing a theater program, uh, it was fun to see how actors connect with all sorts of different techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, 
me personally, I, I really adapted to the Meisner technique, but that's my way. And um, I would have to work with somebody who did Udahagen or was a actor that, that really lived their character. Right. Um, and those were always fun to work with and see how different, you know, luckily for me, I'm able to release who I am when I get off set and I can, you know, wash it off in a sense and, right. and be myself You don't again. have to immerse yourself yes. in that. Yes, and there are people who do have to immerse themselves and it's so interesting because you treat them differently offset and you respect that and that was so new to hmm. me, you know, besides having to work and being like, well, I... Why don't they change? What's going on here? They're still the same character. You know, I actually get to watch their process and it was fun to learn from them. I had an experience with a uh, gentleman who couldn't see from some chemicals in his eyes at the beginning of his scenes. And he would go around New York with a helper blindfolded. Hmm. So that way he could really immerse himself in what it was like to not be able to see. And he said it was absolutely amazing to heighten your other senses. And that to me was something completely different that I never thought about was sensory work and how much your sight can hinder your ability to listen or to feel. And um, New York kind of provided that for me and really gave me a education on, on all sorts of different work and backgrounds. Um, also something that I didn't experience yet until I moved was the culture in New York was, was really amazing and having to go out and get on the subway and, mm -hmm. and, um, be on time at the same time. We were, we were laughing because anytime you get on the subway, you're hours behind, right? <laughs> you know, and you have no cell phone coverage. And if you leave your house, you have to have all your stuff with you. So, you know, I look like a bag lady because I have all my costumes, all my scripts. You can't just um, toss it in the car. Like no, you no, no. And you don't, you don't come back to the house until you're done with everything for the day. So you have to pack it with you. And so you can always tell the actors because we have bags and bags of just random stuff with us. And we would all meet, you know, before the school and go up to the school with just bags of stuff and vice versa. We'd all leave and have our bags with us. So that was something that was completely different to me as well, going there. How long were you in New York City? I was there for about seven years. Okay. And uh -huh. then after that, you went to LA? Yes. Okay. So my husband and I, um, we were still dating at the time. He graduated from tech and we both agreed that we wanted to work in film. Mm -hmm. And when I was in New York, I had the opportunity to start a uh, production company uh, off-Broadway theater company, and I really wanted to develop my skills more in film and television, um, just because that's what I fell in love with first with my mentor. Um, and I really, really wanted to see what how I could take my theater skills and apply them to film, and L.A. happened perfectly. It just kind of took us in, was like, okay, you're ready for this. My husband worked at I Am Global. He did a lot of distribution I uh, started off at Glendale Studios, and I worked as the creative executive there and helped run some of the studio sets. Um, so we really got immersed in our film and television world. And L.A. was a whole nother animal. Just It was just completely different because when I went there, it's insanely competitive. Right. Um, and I always tell my actors, they think that acting is for kids. And by kids, I mean 
anyone from the ages of, you know, the newborn to 25. And for some reason, they think that's the cutoff. Yeah. That once you reach that age, you're no longer relevant. And I'm like, that is the most competitive amount of age group Mm -hmm. that come in and try out for the same part. But it's everyone after that who are getting roles. You know, if you think about any movie or TV show that you've watched, the characters aren't 25 or under typically. They're always 30 and up. I mean, look at Mad Men, look at Yellowstone, any Mm -hmm. of those shows. And my actors who are over the ages of 40 are actually booking roles consistently because people have dropped out thinking that it's for younger adults and kids. And that's just not the case. So going to L.A. was really an experience because I got to see the different kinds of age groups getting roles and... um, I got to work in casting, so I got to see what kind of things were coming out at that time. Um, And ironically, it was really fun. My favorite thing I did, I got to audition for Wonder Woman. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Which, you know, Gal got it it for a reason because she's amazing. Um, But the training they would have us do, I remember wearing weights on my arms and, and ankles and wearing sweats and running three miles and just telling myself, this is what Wonder Woman would do. You know, I got this and running around the golf course. And it was just so much fun. There was just always opportunity. Uh, but the traffic was a whole nother thing. <laughs> I, so I, I know listeners will wonder about this. You mentioned mm-hmm. Wonder Woman. Are there mm-hmm. any projects, uh, are there any credits that you might have, you know, that, that someone might recognize? Not knowing, maybe they don't recognize the name of your studio, but, but what are some things that you were able to do while you were there? So uh, Glendale Studios, the gentleman that I worked under, uh, was actually a branch out of Warner Brothers. Okay. So I did get to go on set with, you know, Ellen DeGeneres. I did the Big Bang Theory. So they have different lots. Let me let me paint a picture for you. They have a couple different lots with big, about eight different airport hangar style buildings. Right. And each building has their own set. And um, multiple sets can be filming at a certain time. And then they have their outdoor spaces as well, where it's like a little village that they use. So at that time, when I was there, the Big Bang Theory was was playing, which I remember walking on set to that thinking, it's a lot smaller than I thought it was going to be. And of course, it has to be condensed because film can make things look much bigger, uh, even though there's there's not a lot of space. Mm It was one of the coolest things. They had a laugh track and everything there. So audiences really got to come in, experience what it would be like to sit on set and watch a performance sometimes. And then they would go and experience another part. Another show that was playing is Heart of Dixie. They were doing also Pretty Little Liars. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being on set and seeing a giant pink golf cart just racing through. And it would be the girls going back and forth from hair and makeup. And, you know, they looked like they were always having a good time. And then Ellen DeGeneres, of course, she she would be, uh, her offices are also there on site and her set. And at the time, they also brought in the Friends set for people to see and view as well. And that's something the audience and tourists could come in and really sit and right. and play with and immerse themselves in. And it was always fun to show them what it would be like to, to be on an actual set. So we worked with Warner Brothers. And then um, one of my favorites where, where I really learned the business side of it was uh, working with Creative Artists Agency. Mm-hmm. 
and they're a big agency out of LA and they do a lot of work. I did a lot of uh, life rights and branding, talent branding. And that was interesting. And it was also terrifying because I remember we were working on a, a script and I don't, I don't believe I can say the name of it yet because they might still be working on it. But it was a mafia related script and I got to meet one of the, the uh, wise guys that came in and was actually part of it in Chicago. Okay. And it was his story been, that yes, was being told. Yes, yes. And um, it might have been one of the most terrifying guys I've ever met in my life. And he barely said two words at a time, you know. Um, but it was really fascinating afterwards, just that feeling of, okay, this is a true story. And this gentleman actually lived through all these crimes. And it was just, it was fascinating at the same time at how much our world has changed from mm -hmm. then. So, And I know that eventually you moved on from LA um, and after after being in Aspen, I think you said? Yes. You, you, you came back to Amarillo. I, I wonder about the thinking, having been educated in New York, having worked for a while in LA, and then coming back home to Amarillo. Tell me a little bit about why you made that decision and, and what drew you back here. Because a lot of people in your position, they just want to get out and yeah. leave Amarillo uh -huh. behind and go make a career outside of this. You came back. And so I, I'd like to hear about that. You know, I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't one of those people, which is kind of crazy to me because coming back, a lot of, of teenagers and adults, young adults, have the intention of learning and then leaving. And um, it, it blows my mind in essence because we have so much to do here that we don't get to talk about. And there's so, much, there's so many artistic things to see and do and... Um, so I, I, I'm hoping that that we get to change that. And we are, as Sharp and Iron Studios, we are, are on the, the forefront of pioneering a whole new industry and bringing all these people together. So coming back uh, as a young adult, I was very nervous. I'm not going to lie. I was like, what am I getting myself into? I told my husband, I said, you know, I, I'm an actor and I'm a coach. And I just want to make sure that I am able to do that. And he looked at me and he said, why wouldn't you be able to? And I said, well, what is there to do? And he goes, create it. And I sat back for a second thinking, create the job that I want. Mm -hmm. Why would I not do that? Why did it never occur to me that Amarillo was a perfect place to do that in? And another reason that brought us back, I had a son, my son, he's two years old now. Uh, we wanted to start a family and I wanted to be around family okay. again. And so that brought us back as well. And I'm sitting there going, okay, I need to find somewhere I can involve myself in and be a part of the talent in Amarillo and, and see what I can do to create and help this community. And that's when I finally was immersed. I was so nervous and I immersed myself in the arts and even seeing the Amarillo Museum of Art, mm -hmm. I had no idea how incredible the the entire museum is and how much they do to really involve the community and educate the community on arts and culture. Um, and then Emerald Little Theater, I know I did it in, in high school, which right. is still completely different than coming back as an adult, um, and how much of a gym it is. And then seeing all these talented people going through auditions, I'm just watching people go up and audition and the talent behind every single person that went up was mind-blowing. So, yeah, coming back, I was terrified. 
But honestly, it's been the best decision because Amarillo has really opened up a, a, a door for anybody who wants to create work and jobs and art and really anything. So let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. I, I want to hear, um, you know, for, for listeners who don't know about Sharpened Iron Studios, mm-hmm. sort of the origin story. Um, because I, I know you're still kind of in that process. It's, it's still uh-huh. being created into something. Um, but, but tell me where you are right now and, and sort of where you've been since you got back here. Well, Sharpened Iron Studios has been an amazing journey. My team is just so specialized in everything that they do. We all each have our unique talents. Uh, so our CEO, Sean, he had this idea of creating a studio. He was on a plane one day and he said he was flying and he was listening to his Casting Crown CD. And I don't mean to take his thunder away, but you know, he, he said that he had this calling to all of a sudden create a, a studio and it just came over him. And so he sat down on the plane and started writing out a business plan. Um, and his wife is originally from Amarillo. So him and his family moved from California to be here. And so he had a calling to write this studio or write the business plan for what became Sharpened Iron Studios. And so he came and he was trying to find a team to put together. And I remember at the time I did a brief short film with Mike Will Banks, who is mm-hmm. our production director now. And um, we all had the same idea of creating this, this space for a soundstage because Amarillo needed one. And we were sitting here going, all these films are coming in. You know, Amarillo is the center for, for Oklahoma, um, Louisiana, Alabama, uh, New Mexico, and all these films are filming around. Why aren't they coming right, to Amarillo? Right. So we were like, oh, it's, it's the lack of a soundstage. They need a place to come and set up sets and be able to, to call this home and then be able to go out and, and film at other locations and then come back and film here. Which is sort of the model that happened with like Albuquerque. Yes. You know, they were able to put a, a big soundstage in. They had some tax incentives, I think, from the state and the city. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden you've got Breaking Bad, you've got Better Call Saul, all yes. these different you know, TV products and movies began filming in that area, taking advantage of that landscape. And we've got a landscape that's just as interesting as Albuquerque's. Yeah. Um, So yeah, you're right. Why are we not doing that? My business partner calls it the sea of land, you know, and then we have the second largest canyon in the whole nation. And it was literally written into The Walking Dead. Hmm. So I'm sitting here going, why did The Walking Dead, you know, not Why are they not here? And it's just... The lack of of the soundstage and the people, the resources coming together, and uh, being able to say this: these are the locations we have. And luckily, since I've been back, everybody has really come together on the film aspect and the creative arts aspect. And it's been amazing to see how much people want this. And so. And it's not like we don't have room for a giant soundstage. We've got all yeah. these, you know, large warehouses <laughs> right. sitting unused downtown. Yeah, you know, let's put some of that real estate to work. Yes, absolutely. Um, so we started, you know, looking for spaces. We we came together because we all had the similar idea of doing it, but we all lacked each other. 
mm-hmm. um, because I couldn't do what Mike or or our CEO or CFO or our, our business you know COO. I, I couldn't do what they do and vice versa. So we all really lacked each other. And since we have come together, it has taken off in ways that, that we couldn't have even imagined. So we were fortunate enough to find Sean and Sean found us and he was like, okay, let's, let's build a soundstage. This is what we've wanted to do and let's see how we can make this work and yet get the community involved. Um, we are big advocates for city center so we wanted to make sure that um, we had people that came in that were proud of our downtown location. Mm-hmm. And currently, we're sitting at the Amarillo College downtown location. We are excited to start building our production offices there, as well as a about a 20,000 square foot soundstage, which is massive. You just don't find a 20,000 square foot soundstage right. anywhere. And we were laughing because our CEO is like, I want to build at least four of the, the what is it, the Star Wars, the, the Falcon? Yeah, Millennium Falcon. Millennium Falcon. I was, I was thinking dogs. I'm like, Maltese, no. <laughs> it's a different show. The Millennium Falcon. He's like, I want four of those sitting in the soundstage, you know, and we're all sitting here going, yeah, absolutely. So we're going to have a 20,000. One of them's going to be 14,000 square foot. Another one's going to be about 6,000 square foot. And um, we're looking forward to bringing in, we have a lot of people that have already shown interest in coming in and building sets on the soundstage because why wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. You know, all those films being filmed in New Mexico uh, are coming in this way, and even in Oklahoma. And I've, it's funny that you mentioned Better Call Saul because I've worked with a couple actors on that show that were filming before COVID hit. You know, mm-hmm. we were getting things daily, and we have film that's coming into Amarillo and they're searching for a place to see because I've seen it firsthand working with the actors doing it. So it's been fun. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about the partnership with the AEDC and how that has been, um, you know, instrumental in in helping kind of realize the vision that, you know, for for people that don't really know how that works or, or, or what happens there. So the AEDC really backed us on creating this soundstage because we first want to boost our economy. Mm -hmm. We want to bring jobs. We want to bring education. And as I was saying earlier, I was the person that wanted to get out and get an education. And as we said, why couldn't I do that here? Why can't we create a place for people to be educated, create a place for people to stay after they're educated, or create a place where, hey, we give you the tools to succeed for the fields that you want to be in. Mm -hmm. And we spoke with um, Kevin Carter at the AEDC, and he 100% supported the idea of creating jobs and boosting the economy. And because their goal is to diversify Amarillo's economy so that we're absolutely. not just, you know, tied to agriculture or yeah. tied to healthcare or tied to wind energy, that we've got all kinds of things happening. Yes. And so bringing in, you know, the world of entertainment is a perfect way to do that. Absolutely. And being in the entertainment industry, it's so wonderful to come to fly into Amarillo and be able to go into the airport, do your business, get in a car, and go to where you need to be. Exactly. And that doesn't happen. Instead of having a two-hour drive in yeah. the direction. <laughs> or even waiting five hours for your 
your luggage because right. it's it happens all the time. So being able to get film crew in and to get people in to occupy our hotels and and going out and seeing our businesses and eating at our local restaurants, you know, that is our goal is to make sure that we're driving up business and we're making our community successful. Um, so they really backed us on that front and said, okay, we want to support you because you're supporting our community. And it's been wonderful to have that partnership. Um, another person that's backing us and working with us side by side is Amarillo College. Mm -hmm. um, Amarillo College is such a wonderful community college because they're really centered around making students successful and how we can get students in education, um, no matter what part of life they're coming from. And if they're still working, you know, two full-time jobs, they're still able to get an education. Um, so we've been fortunate to work with them and create a film school curriculum. Okay. And we've been able to come up with a few things that are still in the process right now. So I don't want to go into too much detail yet, but about getting hands-on experience from students who want to be educated in film and television, in broadcasting, in screenwriting, in, and fully immersed in this sort of, I want to call it lifestyle, right. because it essentially is a way of life. Um, so they get to go to the school and get their, their basics, and then they get to come to the studio and apply what they've learned hands-on and work in a fully functional film studio. Right. So they're learning how to use our cameras, how to use our lighting, how to use our post-editing software. And then that way, when they go out in the world, we're not just saying, you know, you can do it. Good luck. Here's the stuff but you've learned actually, in a classroom. Yeah, you know? Yes. You're actually learning from doing. Um, another thing that I've created are a thing called tech kits. And it's going to provide our students with cameras, with lighting, with tripods, with the things, honestly, I wish I had when I went to school because students can't afford $10,000 or more of equipment right. after going to school. Um, so we're basically giving them the opportunities and the tools they need to succeed and saying, when you're done and you're graduating, if you're not already working for us, then please take your equipment and film commercials film movies, film student videos, film short films, and go be successful because now you have those tools to do so. I know that, that one thing people may not realize, if, if they don't know a lot about the industry, you know, we, we see a TV show, we see the actors on TV, mm -hmm. not realizing that for every one person you see in the frame, you know, there's another 30 or 50 people behind the camera <laughs> who are doing everything from the lights and uh, editing and screenwriting that... It's, it's a whole village of people that it takes to make one of those things. And so you're, you're thinking about all the different jobs that are mm -hmm. involved, about training people in all those different areas. And each one of those represents, you know, a job for somebody locally who, who can gain those skills. Um, and so thinking about it from a studio standpoint, I, I wonder if you could talk a little about maybe what you see Sharpened Iron becoming you know, in the oh, next absolutely. five years or so. I, I know you may have projects that you don't want to talk specifically about, but like, like what might this look like in a few years? Well, our goal is definitely to expand and to be able to employ 200 to 300 people. And that's like people that actually work for that business in a full-time yes, capacity? Yes, and Our locals. Okay. And um, so our goal is to build 
sound sets. One of my passions is scuba diving. So I told my team, I'm like, I want a sound stage that has a giant take in it. Yeah. And I want to be able to film some stuff underwater. You know, why not? Also, we have the best mechanics in the world here. We have animatronics. We have graphic designers. Uh, we have, you know, Bell Helicopter. We have assembly. We have the resources. And it's just time that we get to combine all of it and use it to make, in essence, movie magic. So we get to use different animatronics for for films and and moving forward and training people on on sound stages with, like you said, the lighting and building jobs and and just expanding. Um, our goal is to make sure that we employ more people to be successful in those fields rather than having to send them out and search for jobs elsewhere. They get to stay here. They get to do our apprenticeships and see if this is the, like I said, again, lifestyle that they want because it's crazy work. And as you touched on earlier, being behind the scenes, we just filmed one of our first short films, um, Iridus coming up and uh, we have two actors on set. And we have about 20 casting crew around them, you know, all safely distance, of course, (laughs) but we're all in separate rooms, making sure that what they're doing is, is successful. And that means we have our, our gaffers, we have our sound guys and technicians, we have our reflectors, we have our director, our assistant directors. Um, we have our, I was the acting coach that came on. Um, there's just so much that goes into it. We had some visual effects that we're doing and a guy that flies off and we have to make sure that he's safe and lands on a nice, big, comfy mattress, you know, rather than the ground. So we have people there for safety. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into it. So expanding off that, we see it becoming big and this being one of the leading industries in the entire panhandle where people can come and obtain those goals. I keep thinking about, you know, very successful TV shows like Better Call Saul or mm-hmm. um, Breaking Bad, in which the the city that it took place in was just as much a character, you know, as, yes. as anything else. Albuquerque yes. is central to the Breaking Bad, you know, yes. mythology. Uh, and, and you began to see a lot of other shows, you know, like on the USA Network and other places that were actually set in Albuquerque. And I, I wonder if you think Amarillo has that potential to become one of those cities that is that is central to a a story that's being told that is a character in that story if if you see us you know in 5 years maybe being where Albuquerque is today or or has been for the past 100%. decade or so 100% and i'm so glad you you touched on that we are currently working on a, a crime drama series where Amarillo is a character okay and it's going to help move the city along in the story we were talking about how our community will get to come out and and watch a car chase going down Polk Street and seeing their businesses in different locations. Um, but yes, yes, we absolutely want that. And we are currently working on a series to make that happen. Why do you think that is important? I mean, is, is that a big... When you, when you think about the business plan, we mm-hmm. think about, you know, we want to draw the attention of filmmakers... Um, to this area, to our studios, is is the city part of the selling point for you? The location, the geography, any of those things? Absolutely. Um, when you go to South by Southwest, 
there used to be just they, they have this map and there's these cities where films are currently taking place. And there just happened to be a, a circle around Amarillo. And that blew my mind because Amarillo had always been the meeting ground for different cities to come to mm-hmm. before they head off to, to finish a job or to go you know, to another location like the cattle market. Essentially, Amarillo was founded by um, them creating the train station here. Right. Going from Dallas to Denver. It's either Austin or Dallas, but to Denver. And it became a great community because of how wonderful our location was. And that's exactly how I feel about film and television. We are going to grow in such a rapid pace when it comes to entertainment because we have everything that we need. We have the resources. We have the insane fun weather. Mm -hmm. We have the Palo Canyon. We have the artists here. Speaking of, of actors, Texas has brought in so many people from all around the nation. And they come here, they see our community, and then they end up staying here because of how wonderful the people are. So that's why we are going to be successful is because we have everything that we need here. And it's just time that everybody comes together and makes it happen. And it is happening. The, the last thing I wanted to ask you in this section is you've got a plan. You know, mm-hmm. You're working with businesses. You're working with city leadership to, to mm-hmm. make this happen. What do you need from the community? Like, like what kinds of support you know, is necessary from just the people who live here to kind of make this thing happen? Uh, one of the great things I've already got to experience is how excited the community is for, for us to come here and open. Um, we are getting messages over how can I help? Mm-hmm. Messages over um, can we Can do I anything? be an extra? Yes, how can I? Absolutely. And I'm sitting here going, trust me, when we film, we will let you know. I just say that keep sending us your scripts and your ideas. You know, we have screenwriters here that have marvelous scripts and we are interested in, in looking at them. Um, continue talking to us, following us. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram. Um, Stay updated on what we're doing. Uh, Follow us in the news. We are going to be successful because of our community. And it's going to be so fun when Amarillo gets to come in and take tours of the studio and and see where we first started out and um, how they can get involved and just be on the lookout because we will start start wanting to involve more and more of our community as we're filming, coming in and having people as extras, you know, being able to see how films work. It's going to be so much fun to bring everyone in. This episode of Hey Morello is sponsored by Bivens Point. Many of us with older parents or grandparents have been especially careful during the pandemic to protect their health. Senior health care is a big deal. And a lot of us may get to a place where we're helping make decisions about rehab or nursing care for those family members. When that time comes, turn to Bivens, a long-trusted name for senior health care in Amarillo. They've suspended visitation right now, but if you'd like to learn more about this wellness community, visit BivensPoint.org. That's point with an E. And I'm really grateful for Bivens Point's ongoing sponsorship. While we're on the subject... This podcast has a few advertising slots open for the fall. 
More people are listening to Hey Amarillo than ever before. Somehow we've been able to carve out a really dedicated following, and I'm super thankful for that. If you want to get your business in front of Amarillo people, get in touch with me. I'll be happy to share with you more about listener numbers, listener demographics, and a whole lot more. You can also support the show by visiting patreon.com slash hammerello, where as an individual, you can pledge your financial support. Help me keep making this podcast. But whether you do that or not, whether you sponsor the show or not, whether your business is interested or not, thank you for listening. Okay, I'm back with Devony Graham of Sharpened Iron Studios. Devony, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Uh, I'm going to ask you eight straight questions, and your job as my guest is to answer those in as much detail as you want to. Uh, these are a lot of the same questions I ask every guest, and so I know listeners will be eager to hear what you have to say and what, what your answers might be. The first one is, is a question I've been asking just over the last few weeks. Um, what's one thing that the past few months of pandemic and protests, either one of those two areas, what, what has that revealed to you about Amarillo? Well, the one thing I've noticed uh, upon many is that Emerald has really come together as a community. We've created Facebook groups for for the pandemics, especially to to feed people and help people that can't go out and receive items that that they couldn't get themselves. Mm-hmm. And Amarillo has come together so well and provided those items necessary for people to be able to stay home and to trying to maintain the distance and where they need to be successfully and and getting water and supplies and food. So Amarillo has done a wonderful job at coming together in a community. So Okay. If that makes sense. That does make sense. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, What's the most underrated aspect of living in this area? I mean, you've lived in LA, you've lived in New York City, now you live in Amarillo. What what do we offer that maybe other people may not realize? Oh my goodness, the people are incredible, first of all, first and foremost. Um, Another thing that we offer, I would just say the canyon, and we offer opportunity, really. You can come here and create a business that you are passionate about. And Amarillo really does a great job at uplifting our businesses mm-hmm. and our people. Yeah, one thing I've heard guests say before, and we've talked about it in a number of different episodes, is that Amarillo is big enough that you can be the first person to do something here. Yes. Um, and be successful at that. Like, like, there's still a lot of things, like a film studio, that have mm-hmm. not quite made their way into this area. Yep. So that opportunity is enormous. Oh, it's in, it's been incredible. It's been wonderful to see. And, you know, I said I was nervous coming back, and I, my husband said, why don't you create a position? And I said, mm-hmm. I can do that. Why wouldn't I do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what does this area have too much of? Well, if you would have asked me two months ago, I would have said moths. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <It laughs> the moth apocalypse of It was an especially uh, fruitful couple yeah. of months for that. <laughs> um. But right now, man, this wind, I'm telling you, some days are just perfectly calm. The next days, it's blowing so hard and raining so hard, you think it's coming from the ground. Which could cause, you know, for somebody in film production, could cause a lot of headaches if you're out trying to shoot on location and you yes. can't control that sort of weather. Which is why we need a soundstage. Exactly. For when it does that, we film the inside. <laughs> what does this area not have enough of? I would say student housing. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me personally, childcare at the moment. Okay. <laughs> there are 
quite a few um, childcare businesses, but this has been a really complicated time, yes. you know, to, to kind of wade through that stuff as a, yes. a parent of a young child. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. The childcare industry was so nice before the pandemic. And right now it's just, it's hard, you know, and especially when you have a young child, my two-year-old, um, sending him off. Where do you go? What are the precautions? Yeah. So you have to keep it all in mind. Which is hard enough, you know, just as a new mom. Yes. But then add a pandemic on top of that. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> no I can't pressure. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite local restaurant? Okay. We eat all the time at Sharky's. Right. Sharky's Burrito. I think we pretty much live there. <laughs> Sharky's has been mentioned multiple times uh, by guests. And, and that's one of those unique Amarillo institutions that... Um, people are certainly passionate about. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What's your favorite street in Amarillo? So my favorite street, I would have to say, is Reader Street. Okay. I grew up around that area, and also um, as a kid, it goes right through this storybook of other streets. And Mm -hmm. to me, it kind of almost became a character in itself. So you have like Cinderella and all these fun stories. In the Sleepy Hollow area. Sleepy Hollow. Yes, yes. And I went to school there and I just remember Reader Street just was so cool at the time, you know. (laughs) I've always thought that was really interesting. I don't know the story behind it, but the developer, you know, who names a community Sleepy Hollow has streets named Cinderella. You know, like what was the thinking behind that? Because it is so, it's very different for Amarillo, Mm -hmm. um, which tends to not have like super creative street names. It's named after people or children or something. But I've always been fascinated about that neighborhood and and the reasoning behind that. Me too. I love it. It's, It's a storybook place in itself. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? One of my favorite terms that I love to use is that it's the oasis of the plains. Okay. And it means that people from all over Amarillo, not just us, come in to to watch movies, to go to our mall, to kind of escape from from where they are. So I like calling it the oasis of the plains where people get to come to and and really enjoy our city. Okay. And when was the last time you went to Cadillac Ranch? Okay, it's been a while. (laughs) And I have a reason because even though it's called a ranch, you should know this, but they have cows out there. And I went with my cousins, you know, because they hadn't ever seen it before. So I was like, you know, we have to go to Amarillo and we have to see the Cadillac Ranch. It's a must. Um, So we went out there and... I am not kidding you. This cow chased us all the way up to the gate wow. to our car. So I have not got to experience Yeah, people don't then. expect that, that there yeah. could be uh, some, some wildlife out Well, there. and I've lived here, and I never thought about it. I never saw cows, you know, hanging out by the cars. It's just not something that you think about, even mm-hmm. though it is a ranch. So, yeah, it's been a while. Okay. <laughs> and uh, that concludes the eight straight questions. Devaney, I like to end by asking my guests to endorse something. So what is one thing you would like listeners to know about or to experience here in this area? I would love listeners to really look at the Amarillo Museum of Arts. We are a um, accredited museum, which I think there are about 3% accredited museums in the entire nation. Wow, okay. So it's incredibly difficult, and it takes a lot of work to maintain that. And our museum is such a treasure. So 
I recommend that people support it, that they go out and see what kind of artworks from all around the world are coming in um, and really immerse themselves in the culture and the education. They provide uh, art education for our kids as well, which they're doing online programs mm-hmm. now, so you can do it with your family at home. And I've even looked at a couple of them, and we always laugh. I'm like, I think I'm going to do that. It might be for kids, but that's something I'd be interested in. So I love to endorse them. And um, also Amarillo Little Theater. You know, they're another nonprofit that has done a wonderful job at creating an escape for our community. So, Okay. Yeah. Devony Graham, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that concludes the episode. Thanks to Devony for the interview. You can learn more about Sharpened Iron Studios at sharpenedironstudios.com. Thanks also to Angelina Marie for editing the show and to Bivens Point and Lazy Boy Home Furnishings for sponsoring Hey Amarillo. If you want to see photos of me with each guest, go hit our social media. We're on all the different platforms. Follow Hey Amarillo there. Supporters of Hamrello hey include executive producers Josh Wood, Chris Selda, Patrick Burns, Wilson Lemieux, Wes Reeves, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Jess Heredia, Neil Nossiman, Ryan Pennington, and Joshua Rafe. This has been episode 157. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>